Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. God is doing incredible things in Tampa. Learn more about us at horizontampabay.com. We hope you find today's message inspiring and encouraging. Let's dive in. Good morning, good morning, good morning. I love it when people are talking, so I hate to (laughs) interrupt them. It is so good to see each and every one of you here this morning. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon. If this is your first time worshiping with us, I just want to extend a special welcome to you, tell you how glad I am that you are here. Um, You were probably given a connection card when you came in the door. If you weren't, if you'll just make sure to fill out that connection card on the way out, that's just a way that we can continue to invite you to be a part of this community, to, to join us on Sunday mornings, but to be a part of the mission and service that we do during the week. So we would just love for you to take a moment to fill that card out, and you can hand it to Chris, or um, there will be another um, person standing out there with a sign that says, are you new here? If you'll just hand that connection card to them, we also have a free gift for you if you um, fill that out. So um, I'm just excited that there are folks among us for the first time this morning. Thank you for being here. Um, This morning, we're going to continue our series, Made for This. This is our last message in this series. And this morning, we're going to talk about how we're made for joy and not exhaustion. And I kind of had to laugh at um, <laughs> the title of this message that we had planned a while back uh, to come come on this Sunday after Gasparilla, that we were made for joy and not exhaustion. As um, th- just the streets are like eerily quiet out in our community. Hyde Park Village was like shut down yesterday. It's just, um, it's just an interesting feeling um, this weekend. But Um, On Wednesday night, I found myself at an event that I had accidentally signed up for. I didn't uh, intentionally sign up for it. I didn't exactly know what it was. And I got there about three minutes before it started, and everyone else there was super dressed up, and I had on jeans and this exact same vest because it was freezing cold um, that day in Florida. Do y'all remember when we had, like, winter happen for a couple days? Um, And so I'm like standing there at the back of the room. It's about to start. I'm like, this is not what I thought I had signed up for. I thought I was just going to sit here and listen to someone speak, and everyone's dressed up, and this seems like a very different event than I thought I signed up for, and I saw a friend, and so I immediately, have you ever been in a situation where you're like, I don't know what to do. I feel really awkward. Oh, a friend. We can be friends, and so I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm so very glad to see you, and she was like, this is not what I thought I signed up for, Eric, and I was like, me either, so we're both like standing there having this conversation about how we're accidentally here. And then there's one other issue because we were there late. All of the seats were filled except two seats on the very front row. So we were going to have to <laughs> like walk past all these people in our jeans and vests while everyone else is super dressed up. Um, but we did it. We went, we sat down on the front row and we got ready for it to start. And um, there was a woman who stood up to speak. It was one of the most incredible speakers I've heard in a while. And Katie and I looked at each other and we said, this is why we were here today. And she asked this question. She talked a little bit about how she had arrived in the role that she had been um, placed in. She's a judge now and for one of the first African-American female judges to, to be elected to the bench in Florida. And she was talking about that experience, and she's, she, has a, she has a child, a, a three-year-old son. Um, her mom had asked her this, and she said when she first got appointed, the question that kept her up at night is, what is your legacy going to be? Like, what will people remember about you? She's like, you know, I'd, I'd sort of gotten to this spot um, to be a judge, but 
but what were people actually going to remember me for? What was going to be my legacy? And she ended the, the talk by asking us the same question. What is going to be your legacy? What will you be remembered for? And I thought, hmm, what a, what a que- that's like a really good question for me to think about some other time. And then she almost keyed in on the front row. And she looked at us and she said, I want you to be bold and courageous. What is your legacy going to be? And so I went home Wednesday night. I started the day at 7. I ended the day. I got home about 9 o'clock that night. Didn't get to put my kids to bed. I was tired and exhausted. I did my nightly bedtime routine, and I laid down in the bed ready to go to sleep. And that question started really bothering me. What will you be remembered for, Erica? What is going to be your legacy? And not because I want to be remembered for something special, but if I looked back at the day, I realized that my kids, David and Emma, were going to remember me as an exhausted and tired mom for a whole day. I realized my husband was going to see me as an exhausted and tired mom. I realized that my church was going to see me as a person who was exhausted and tired from building a church, when my real dream, my real hope was for David and Emma to see a mom who lived life to the fullest every single day so they knew they could too. A husband who found a wife who was joyful and happy, right? And not not because I pretended, but just because I wasn't so exhausted. A church that was pumped up and excited about shining light and igniting change, right? And you all are. And so how I started thinking about that night, like, how can we actually be remembered for what we want to be remembered for? Like, what is it about Wednesday night at 10 o'clock at night when we're laying in bed do we realize, you know what, I might not be remembered for what I want to be remembered for. And I realized the, the issue with this is we get caught up in the things of the world. We just get on the hamster wheel and we don't even know how to get off because we never stop to ask ourselves that question what will you be remembered for you never stop to ask yourself the question what are you actually made for you just hop on the hamster wheel and you take off running right and you just have no way to get off so this morning before we go any further I want you to think about this question right I want you to think about the question we've asked all of 2020 what were you made for? And if you don't hear anything else today, I want you to know this. God made you on purpose and for a purpose, and it's not for you to be exhausted on the hamster wheel of life anymore. And this morning, we're going to talk about some ways that we can begin to get off of that and begin to experience joy and life to the fullest. If any of you are tired this morning, if any of you aren't even, don't even have the energy to think about that question, like, what's my legacy? What will I be remembered for? I want you to hear me loud and clear this morning. God made you on purpose and for a purpose, and we're going to talk about what that looks like this morning. In Acts chapter 2, um, we're going to read what, what these early folks who followed Jesus right after he rose from the dead, what they did. But, but before we get there, I just want you to know that if you're sitting there asking this question this morning, like, what am I made for? What's my purpose? I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, people who followed Jesus were asking the exact same question. They watched Jesus, the guy that they had followed and devoted their lives to, this guy who was shining light, igniting change, healing people, just causing all kinds of great, awesome things to happen in the world. They watched him die on a cross, and then they watched him raise again, and he came back, and he lived among them for 40 days, and 
and taught and ate with them and, and spent time with them and helped him to remember what it is that they were doing while he was here. And then it came time for him to go and for the Holy Spirit to come and to guide us. And these guys are sitting around in the room. Jesus is about to, to, to leave, to go be with God, away from, from, from us. But I have the Holy Spirit here. It's, we're fine. We're not alone. I, that, I, that's the point of this. But they're sitting around, and they're talking to Jesus, and they look at Jesus, and they say, how is Israel going to be restored then? That's what you promised. You promised you were going to come to restore Israel. And I heard my own question in that, right? Like, Jesus, you promised to restore me. How are you going to do that? And you know what Jesus looks at him and says? I'm going to use you as witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. I'm going to use you as vessels to restore the world. Do you all hear that? God doesn't want you to be remembered as exhausted, worn out people, as tired and stressed out and anxious people, as worried and nervous people, as people worried about being alone for the rest of their life. But that's not how God wants you to be remembered. God wants to use you to be part of of what God's plan for the world is all along, to restore the world. And so they hear this, and then Jesus, you know, goes back to be with God, and the Holy Spirit comes down, and it's this crazy moment, y'all. They call it Pentecost. It's called the birth of the church. It was really exciting. This fresh new wind fell on people who were exhausted and who were, who were begging for God to restore them and do something new in them. And this, this wind, this fresh wind falls on them. And people, and, and people start speaking, they're like, they, it is 9 o'clock in the morning, it is not Gasparilla weekend, what is going on? <laughs> Something is wrong with these people, because they're talking, and they're excited, and they're happy about what God is doing. And so, they're, but they're like, you know, when those kinds of things happen, it's all exciting, people know what their legacy is, they know they're supposed to be people who restore Israel. This guy's preaching these amazing sermons to him, telling him like, the old people are going to dream dreams, and the new people are going to, like, live these visions out. It's going to be awesome. And they're like, okay, but what's next? And then this is what we read in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 40, uh, 40 through 47. Peter's told him all this stuff, like, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to help restore. All these scriptures are going to be, be fulfilled. And this is what Peter says. With many other words, he warned them. He pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And I read that the first time, I was like, oh, that's, that's rough. But, but he says, save yourselves, right, from a generation that's going to stick you on a hamster wheel, and, and you're not going to remember what your legacy is. You're going to not remember that you are a person who's supposed to be used to restore this world to the joy God wants for all of us. That's what he's, that, this is what the pastor, the preacher is saying, like, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation, and this is how you do it. Those who accepted this message to be restored and experience the joy and the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, and about, about 3,000 were. People, like, loved this message, and the, about 3,000 um, people were added to their number that day. But that's not the only thing that happened. They weren't just baptized and excited about things and then figure out what's next. This is what they said they did. This is how joy, this is where joy comes from. It comes from Jesus restoring us and saving us from this hamster wheel of life. And then there's a way, there are habits that God has given to the church for us to figure out how to continue to live as people of joy and not people of exhaustion. Because you were made for this purpose, to be restorers 
of this joy that God has brought and that the world has forgotten about. God wants to do that in your life, and God wants to use you to do that in the lives of others. And these are the habits that he says. Are you listening with me? Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. You can read behind me if you want to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Do you hear that awe and wonder, not exhaustion and fear and frustration and anxiety, awe and wonder at the signs that were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. No one was alone. They were all together and they had everything in common. Everybody had what they needed and they shared it among one another. They sold their property and their possessions to give to anyone who was in need. People weren't in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Those who are being saved from this hamster wheel of life, God began to save them. And so this morning, I want us to just look at those five practices that will help us find the restoration that God has for us from exhaustion to joy this morning. The first thing that they did, did y'all hear that? They looked with awe at the things going on around them. When's the last time that you looked at something with absolute awe and wonder? Anybody seen the sun sunrise lately? Anybody seen a cute little puppy dog lately? Anybody seen somebody do something amazing and share something they really shouldn't have shared and they shared it with somebody they should have? When's the last time you were absolutely taken over by awe and wonder? Because this is what happens, guys. We were made for awe and wonder. The things that God is doing brings joy. When's the last time that you did that? But so quickly, y'all, we start to whine, right? This is a sign that you know you're exhausted and you're hung up on that hamster wheel of life and you need to get off. I, I listened to some of my phone calls this week and I was like, oh, I'm whining and complaining a whole lot. If you're spending a lot of your time whining and complaining, figuring out everything to fuss about and complain about, then I invite you every, every single day, figure out five minutes how you can sit down and just absolutely focus in on the things that God is doing that are amazing and wonderful around you can you just let yourself be taken up by the awe and wonder is it your children have you taken a moment to look at the the awe and the wonder that your children have have you have you had a moment to see someone at work do something really kind have you seen something really beautiful lately how can you get hung up in the awe and the wonder around us we were made for that not for whining and complaining and when we start to be people who name that who call that who say hey I love that you did that. That was a beautiful thing you did today. When we start to be those people, y'all hear what God can use us for? To help restore the world to what God's dream for the world is anyway. We were made for awe and wonder, not for whining and complaining. We can do this, church. This is who God has called us to be. We were also, did y'all hear this? They, they did things together. We were made for connection to people. We were made for connection to people. If you want to experience the joy of, of the world, if, you want, if, if you're having some hard times, if you're experiencing sorrow right now, find some ways to connect 
to people. We were made for connection to people. God created the church to help us connect to people. What are you doing in your life that helps you connect to others? There are ways you can connect here at Horizon, but what does it look like for us as the church to figure out ways to help other people connect too? Maybe it's not through some steady program here. Maybe you figure out a way to help people connect together. We were made for connection to people. And I think a sign for us that we need to get off of the hamster wheel and start figuring out how we can spend more time connecting to people is that we're connected to things. Our phones, our stuff, getting more stuff, our, our whatever. We find ourselves more connected to things than we do to people, right? God can't use you to restore if you're always connected to your, to your phone. That's why these people sold their possessions. They got rid of the things, right? They shared with those who, who needed them. They did that so they could connect to one another. They were able to connect deeper with one another when they got rid of all of that stuff and they connected to each other. You were made for connection to people, not to things. Finally, we were made to help those in need. Did you hear that? There was no one among them in need. We were made for that. There's a reason why when you watch a commercial on TV or you're around something and you're like, oh, that really like strikes my heart. That, that does something to me. It, there's a reason for that. It's because you were made to help people in need. And the church is supposed to be a place where we do that, where we help restore folks who, who are in need to, to experience joy. That's why we give out peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. It's why we go and read with, with kids who, who need tutors. It's, it's why we collect money for, for uh, field trips. It, we are made, we are hardwired to connect to people who need something. How are you doing that in your life? Because so often we ignore the needs around us, right? People say, we, I need this. Oh, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. We put our blinders on. We're stuck on this hamster wheel of life. If you're ready to step off of that, you will find joy in helping those who are in need. We were made to help those who are in need, not for ignoring the things around us. That does not bring us joy. It takes energy to ignore those things. It takes less energy to jump in and figure out what you can do about it. What does it look like for you to live for that purpose God has for you to be a restorer of joy in the world and in your life through Jesus this week by not ignoring those who are in need? We were made to break bread together. That means we were made to eat together. When's the last time you shared a meal with somebody you loved? When's the last time you sat down across from the dinner table and you ate dinner with somebody? I, I did some research this week. People who eat together are healthier. They make healthier food choices. They eat less. They make better choices after the meal because you, you fill up with something more than the food there, right? We, we start to gain different perspectives in our lives when we sit down and we share food across the table from one another. We were made to break bread together. Who's somebody you can invite over for dinner this week? Don't wait. Why are we waiting for joy? Why are we waiting for God to use us as restorers? This week, who's somebody you can invite over to your home to break bread with you? We were made for this. This is how the church like began to share joy with other people. They, they broke bread together. We were made to break bread with others, not for eating alone. If you find yourself eating alone every night, figure out who is somebody who I could invite over to have a meal with me. Where could we meet and share, share a meal? We were made to break bread with others. We were not made for eating alone. And finally, 
The last verse says we were made to share, they share their glad and sincere hearts. And so often I think we hide what our hearts are really feeling. We hide for, I've done this just this week. Like I, I'm going to sit here at this table. I, I had a friend who said, I go out with this mom's group once a week. And I come home and I'm like, I've never really actually told you what I'm struggling with. I'm, I'm having a really hard time actually. The, we were made to share our sincere hearts. If you're hurting, share that. If you have a dream deep in your heart to do something new and different, share that with somebody. We were made to share our hearts with other people, not to hide them. It takes energy. It keeps us on that hamster wheel. If you find yourself hiding the things that you're holding in your heart, it probably means you're stuck on that hamster wheel. You were made for joy. You were made to help restore and get off and share your heart. Begin to share your heart with somebody and let them share their heart with you. These are ways we can begin to just hop off that hamster wheel and begin to be remembered for what it is we really want to be remembered for, right? As people that God has used to restore the world to the joy that God wants for it. We live in one of the loneliest places in America. Tampa continues to, to put on surveys like, we're lonely here, we're lonely here, we're lonely here. What does it look like if the people at Horizon this week... Say, you know what, my purpose, my purpose is to live for joy. The joy that God offers to us and not exhaustion. And just do one of these five things. Share your heart with somebody. Share a meal with somebody. What does it Serve someone in need. What does it look like for you just to do one or two of these things this week so that you may be a person who restores joy to others? I, I just really quick want to share with you a, a really quick story. When I, I lived in Memphis about five years ago, and um, I met a woman there who was older. Her name is Oni Johns. This is a picture of her um, about five years ago. And I sat down at dinner with her. I was living in this inner city neighborhood in Memphis. I had no friends. I had no one to eat dinner with. And I wound up in her restaurant every single night for dinner. And there were lots of other people who were lonely. And they'd come over and sit at my table. And we'd sit and we'd talk. And one night, about three weeks into this internship, I looked at Oni and I said, tell me why you're here. Tell me why you're here. And she actually grew up in a wealthy suburb outside of Memphis called Germantown. She married a guy who had a lot of money. They had a wonderful house. And I'm like, why are you living in this neighborhood in a teeny tiny house running a restaurant? Like, why are you doing this? And she said, Erica, about five years ago, I was tutoring every single day in this neighborhood. I was going through the worst time in my entire life. My husband and I, our marriage was falling apart. I was going through the worst time in my entire life, and I, I, I had joy one place, and it was driving here to tutor these kids. And I finally one day was like, why do I keep driving in to tutor and go back home to my miserable life? Like, why don't I just stay there? So she said eventually she like bought a house in the neighborhood. Um, her husband, the situation there was not good. She left her husband. And the week she was supposed to move there, some folks from her church were going to help her move. And there was a murder in the neighborhood where she was moving. And she said that she remembers they looked at her, the folks who were going to move her to church, like looked at her and said, why would you move? Like, this is a super unsafe neighborhood. It's terrible. Why would you move to, to that neighborhood? And she was like, the funny thing about it, Erica, is no one asked me if I felt safe at my own home. And I didn't in the relationship I was in. I felt safer in that neighborhood. So she packed up her stuff. She moved to the neighborhood. And the mom of the teenage, who was mur teenager who was murdered in the neighborhood 
that things were getting, like the, there were two gangs in the neighborhood, things were sort of ramping up. And her and Ani came outside one day, about a week after she moved there, and they stood in the street and they asked all the kids that they had helped to tutor. They said, just come out here. It, you know, it's starting to get dark. They put, the police were heavy presence in the neighborhood. They were starting to put a curfew. She said, everybody come out here. Let's figure out what we need to do. And those kids were eating dinner by themselves. They're eating Easy Mac in their houses by themselves. And she realized they needed to start eating dinner together. They needed a place to come to be together. And so Oni used the rest of her money to buy an old abandoned building and start a restaurant so that folks could begin to eat together and, the, and have an after-school program there and use this like program to do all these crazy things. But she said she realized when all those kids were around that mom who was mourning and sad, but realized there has to be a new day in this neighborhood. She realized, and she told me, she said, I looked at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and we created a place where we could do that, where kids could eat together, where they could share actually what's going on in their hearts. It's morphed into much more than that now. There's like a free medical clinic there once a week. There's a free dental clinic there once a week. Their parents come there to eat. They have great conversations about racial reconciliation and how to keep kids out of gangs. Because one woman who no one ever asked her, do you feel safe in your affluent suburban home? And she didn't. But she found joy somewhere else. And she moved there to live into that joy. And so I'm not asking... I'm not asking any of you to move away from Tampa, but I am asking you. I looked at her and I said, "Why now that everything's like set up, now that this place is running good, you have people who could run this, why wouldn't you move back to Germantown to your friends and to your family that you had there for 30 years? And she said, Erica, you don't go back to the places like that. You stay here where there's joy and you keep working for them. And that was the real words that I've thought of, like how many of us are scared to live into these habits instead of, because we want to go back to the places that that are not safe and not good for us. So this week I ask you, what can you do to help be a restorer of joy? How can you let God bring you out of those places and into the things where, where you can help build community and be a person who restores joy? Will you pray with me this morning? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the joy that you give to us. For those of us who've been going, going, going this week, we just pause for a moment. And we ask you, God, to to help us get off that hamster wheel and start to, to remember that you have a purpose for us. You created us on purpose, and you want to use us as people who restore the world. Use us this morning, God to do those things, to share our meals and our hearts and our lives and our possessions with one another, that we may be people who restore your joy, your dream for this world. Thank you for loving us enough to give us joy. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Horizon Church Podcast. If you are in the Tampa area, consider joining us one Sunday. You can also be a part of shining light and igniting change by financially supporting the ministries of Horizon Church at horizontampabay.com giving. Thank you again for joining us.